Come on in. We were just talking. Welcome to the Open Marriage Podcast, candid conversations about life, marriage, and parenting. More honesty than polyamory, but we talk about it all. I'm Summer, and I'm joined in conversation by my husband, Jason. Kick us off. I'm jealous that you. <laughs> I told you you got to go done. first. And uh, and it's my turn in the hot seat. I was thinking how summer is is this strange season of undressing, and in contrast to winter, where we wear so many layers and hide ourselves so much, and then yet the sun comes out and invites us to just strip down into our bikinis <laughs> basically our underpants and how normal that feels when you're there this conversation it's very fitting that it's happening during the summer and right now in Ireland we've had a few days of blazing heat where everyone is sunbathing in their back garden and it's just I don't know I I just always feel that way this time of year where there's a sense of freedom and of letting yourself be seen and that kind of feels like what this conversation is as well so funny the timing the window is cracked open it's there's fresh air coming in so I think we have to preface that um, talking about the possibility of an open marriage was not the first real and big conversation we had and it's not even where this particular thread started we had been recovering from having children and the toll that that took on our sex life for a while and even things like depression and hormones and maternal issues I mean just there was a lot going on in the lead up and I'm talking not just weeks and months but years before and we had already begun to have a few really important conversations around choosing to change that and to address it head on and begin to take some steps towards repairing it. For me, at least at the start, it was not about our relationship. It was really all about me. It was more about a personal and sexual awakening than it was dissatisfaction in the relationship. I think it's interesting where you were and how you received it. And I can't even imagine being on the other end of that conversation, honestly. I mean, I'm thankful for the role I had to play, but I can't imagine if the tables were turned, so fair play to you. <laughs> what do you mean you can't imagine it? <laughs> if you came to me and said that, I'd be like, oh, who is she? <laughs> Get the claws out. It's a bit of a role reversal. Yeah, exactly. So I just, stereotypical kind of role. I just commend you because I think you showed tremendous security and strength of self and... And even openness with me, it's what I really needed. I mean, I don't know how you'd receive it, but I kind of needed you to say, whatever you need, we're going to go in that direction. And it wasn't a blanket, like, yes, we're going to do this, we're not. But you were willing to have the conversation and entertain the possibility. And I needed that because that's where I was. I was entertaining it. And I did not want to feel like I was coming to a parent and getting told, no, you can't play with that toy. You know, it was just like, 
finally it was a moment of really like stepping into another facet of my adulthood where it's like oh my gosh this is this sexuality piece this is within my control that was important for me because I had come as you had from a background where sexuality was an issue of you were not stronger than it 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 could take you it's down. It's heavily regulated. It's heavily regulated. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And yeah. don't experiment or explore until you have the marriage license. Well, you know, until you're actually married. <laughs> if that's how you experience it, there's no magic point at which it flips and you suddenly become, oh, okay, well, now that you're allowed to do that, you're fully liberated. And so the challenge of owning that was always there. It just got, the ball kept getting kicked further and further and further down the field. I hope we all have our sexual awakening in our lifetimes. And I think I was a little late to mine, but still, um, that was a key point where this was not emotional. I was not looking for any kind of self-acceptance, you know, in another relationship. It was purely physical. There was a sense of something in me is completely numb and completely dead. And I've lost all desire. And I don't want to live that way. That is no longer acceptable to me. And I guess the open marriage, it wasn't so much me saying, I want this, but not with you. It was more a cry for help of, I want this with you. I just don't think you're you're the one to help me get back there right now from this place because we had tried, we'd had conversations. We had done it wrong too long to instantly kind of rewind it. And I just felt like I needed a jump. I needed a jump outside where it was like, oh, that's what this feels like. There's no emotional baggage around it. It's It's purely a felt experience. I had lost that felt experience. And and looking outside of marriage for it, it was just this way to untangle it and experience it and and then find my way back to developing that with you again. I mean, that was the long-term goal was like, we have to save this. Let's get creative. (laughs) Is it like the emotional aspect was getting in the way of the physical? There's a lot getting in the way. It was years and years of bad sex. And I mean, we had years of good sex too. I'm not trying to say that. But just again, this comes back to becoming parents and having children and how that changes the dynamic. And you're forced into the bedroom at odd hours when nobody fills up to it repeatedly. It's just a killer. And I think you do that for too long. And I had, like I said, there were many other things going on. I had my own hormonal issues and postpartum lingering things. So these things are always a mixed bag of very complicated features. And I just, I want to be clear for the record that I was not looking for like American soap opera lies and betrayal. I really just in my body was kind of hungering for just like the European summer fling version. That's it. Just cute pull boy and, you know, back to you. I don't want to hear anything about the cabana boy. Oh, gosh. It's just funny when you get there and you surprise yourself of like, oh, my gosh, I I did not realize that any of this was going on under the surface in quite this way. And 
the freedom to one acknowledge that to myself was a very slow process and it was very private at first it was something that was stewing for a long time before i worked up the nerve and the courage to approach it with you and again it was in a really intimate conversation where i are i already felt a lot of security in the stuff we were talking about and how honestly we were sharing that it just felt like the right time to expose this kind of hidden secret as well and and seek your opinion on it and what was going on. A lot happened from there. It felt like whiplash to go from, like, we're not having sex. Like, it's very, the marriage bed is very kind of icy. There's a few little icicles hanging off of it to... Like that kind of shape reshaped the way that I viewed you in terms of your sexuality. And then all of a sudden it was this like whiplash moment of like, whoa, I, I didn't even think you like had any kind of adventurousness in that area. Um, I thought that was sort of gone. And then it was just really surprising to to hear you express like not just desire for it, but for like an adventurous version of it. Yeah, I think that was an important realization for me was this sense that what I had known of my sexuality had been very responsive and I enjoyed it, but I was definitely just responding to outside advances or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) It was a time of realizing that I needed and wanted to be directive that this was really all about me. The The funny thing is, looking back, I think I have that experience in those memories of our early relationship where it felt very directive. And it was, I was at a real place of, I am not going to settle in any way, not for any emotional confusion of what is wanted or not wanted and not for any physical confusion of what is wanted or not wanted. The lines are going to be exceptionally clear. For a minute, I knew myself and then I found you. It was wonderful. You just think about these awakenings and how sometimes they reveal themselves almost in full for just a glimpse. And then it feels like they float away and you completely lose that version of yourself only to like a fairy tale reemerge a hundred years later and realize, oh, this, this was always there, but now I'm going to consciously step into it and it is going to integrate and be a part of me. I think the second time around was just a more awakened version of completely owning what that felt like and what my standards were and what I wanted and how I wanted to feel. I do not like to be bored. I like variety and I I don't think I had owned how significant that was in our sex life. It had just really put out the fire. And I was just feeling that inside myself that this really needed to be revived. Having that conversation was a huge first step. In our last chat, I had said that hearing you ask or let me know that you wanted that, to me it felt like a like a passive way of asking for a divorce. Was it that in your mind? No, it wasn't at that time. It did expose where you were and how that how that felt for you. And then that became our reality to where it did get to the point where it was like, oh, no, this is done. There is nothing here. Um, but it wasn't that 
at first, truly for me. This is the beauty of the conversation and being honest with one another is because these truths, hard as they are, can be incredibly benevolent for both people's growth and where you go from there because it really pushed you up against some of your demons and I didn't realize it, but I needed you to do that too, you know, to become someone that I could again be attracted to because I was willing to take a lot of ownership at the start of like, oh, this must all be me. I must, it must be, you know, just my desire for variety or whatever. So I need to go seek that out and I'll take care of myself. And, and that way it was an, it was an unprecedented selfish reaction in our relationship. I had not up to that point, drawn a line like that. You know, that the second time I did something like that was after Sicily when it was just like, okay, you can, you can feel like this and you can go through this, but you can't take the whole family down like this with you. And I feel like those were the two times where I really stood my ground and not because I wasn't trying to be supportive of you, but because I was also being protective of of our own energy. And, and I think those boundaries served us in some way, even though they feel kind of lonely and hard at the time, which, you know, we always have our own work to do, our own things coming up, our own excavations and healing. And it's not like just because you marry, all of a sudden everything merges and everything overlaps and how you work through it and what it means. And is it yours or is it mine? Is it ours? And getting back to a place where we could respect wow, we each have our own shit to clean up here. And it certainly affects one another, but we need a healthy bit of space to let each other hold and work through our own stuff and our own becoming. And that meant a lot to me. I I really needed some space and some freedom and the security from which to do that. I think if we had been volatile and insecure, in our relationship or ourselves, it wouldn't have worked out so well. <laughs> it's just, it's strange to me because this, this moment in marriages, it, it usually is an infidelity. It's just interesting that it ended up not happening in that way for us. And I'm just curious, observing from the outside that it wasn't. If we're willing to talk about our dissatisfaction, we can do something with it, at least give it the space. It may not always work out to where, and I'm not a proponent that it has to, that you have to stay in that relationship. But I would say if you have committed to a relationship, give that the first fair shot as as hard as it is. It is not pleasant to sit and hold that tension of can we work this out? Will we ever revive this dormant dead energy? <laughs> oh God, that sounds so harsh. Wouldn't you say? But, it, but it was, it was harsh. I mean, let's it was hard. just be honest about what it felt like. Yeah, it is terribly uncomfortable. You, you don't even know if what you're trying to do is possible. And I hate that feeling. I desperately wanted to hear someone's story who was like, I know. I loved my husband too. I chose so well. He was a great guy. I did not want to break his heart, but for whatever reasons, and we all have different ones, I had lost all passion in our relationship and yet we made it back. I wanted to meet that person so badly because I wanted a reason to hope. 
And I really didn't know if it was foolish or not. And I also knew that I I just did not want to go the rest of my life never feeling passion again. That just all of a sudden became something that was life-threatening. I'm really thankful. And I guess that's why we've ended up here is because with some time and healing and seeing the knock-on effects of coming through that, because I wanted to hear someone's story, I'm probably overly keen to share with people. Like, It's not a recipe, and I'm not saying it's going to work out the same way. We tried it this way, and it worked for us. So do what you need to do. Be willing to be honest, because from that place, you actually might get something that you're wanting or needing before you have to blow it all up and go search elsewhere. There is a feeling that you might not survive the honesty. Do you feel like you survived the honesty? I do, I'm, and that's why I'm drawing attention to the the fear versus the reality of having that conversation that just is so intimidating in your mind of, I can't hear what this person really thinks of me, or I will just never come through the other side. It will be too traumatizing. Mm. But then you realize how resilient we are. Mm. And they're, like we are capable of surviving so much more of walking across coals and walking through fire. And then you come out on the other side and you're like, wow, I could not only do that, but now I have this kind of transfigured glow. Now you feel immortal in a way, like almost bulletproof of, whoa, that honesty really did set me and us free as a couple because we saw things the way they were. And we had our kind of red pill moment. Now we know what we're dealing with and we can move forward. We're both seeing the same thing and operating on the same understanding. Mm. Yeah, you bring up a great point about resiliency. It's like if we as people are resilient and we are, then our relationships are because they are just comprised of us. And we can bring that same resiliency to that relationship. And we need to. Think to know yourself and trust yourself. Know what you really need, what's underneath it. It took a while for me to really tease out, am I wanting validation from someone else? Is this an emotional affair? I had been a stay-at-home mom. Like, oh my God, am I just missing connection with other humans, especially those of the opposite sex? (laughs) Like, am I going to go crazy? Allowing some time to be honest with that You'll get to whatever is there, whatever that seed is. And when you see that with clarity, then you can kind of trust and and carefully navigate forward, which is the other thing. Give yourself time. I was not in a rush. And I felt like even if towards the end, when it became about the relationship, I felt like even if this is not going to work, it's only going to end on a high note. That was my expectation. This was not going to blow up and be some devastating ground zero where we hated each other. Like th- We were only going to end from a place of absolutely knowing it doesn't feel good, but I get this and I know that it's best for both of us. And that is going slow and steady and being truthful, being heard, listening, and you cannot shortcut any of that work. We were willing to do that. Regardless of the outcome, we got a certain outcome, and I'm very thankful for it, but we still did all of the work. It could have gone any which way. We do have to be careful because we don't always understand our inner workings, 
But that's where being honest about it can help too because a partner can see some of what's going on as well and help you navigate it. Do you feel like the, the desire for the open relationship, once we started to deal with some of the core issues in our relationship, that that started to lose its fascination for you? We obviously didn't write up any kind of like contract or anything. Or do you feel like it just went back into the fantasy drawer of like, I might look in that drawer again later on. <laughs> if the right, uh, right cabana boy um, shows up on summer holiday, but <laughs> like, I don't know. On how a do girl's you... trip, not summer holiday. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you for asking that because I forgot that the way that this played out for me, and I don't know if you'll remember this, but actually the timing is a little bit different than we have come to think. We were having these conversations around springtime, I remember, because we went into the summer and I was like a rabid teenager. I All of a sudden, it mattered to me how I dressed, you know, fixing my hair, putting on makeup. And one of the things, I think that was the summer I started sea swimming. That was something I'd not done in Ireland because it's freezing cold. But I just was craving the sun and water and I started sea swimming and so by then our communication was really starting to break down and there was kind of a you know a fuck all like I'm gonna do whatever I want to do not with incredible regularity but occasionally and so I just remember like hey I'm going out tonight and no explanations so like a teenager I love it when I look back I realize like oh, I took what I needed <laughs> I needed to not explain myself, to feel like I could go wherever I wanted to go. I could come home at whatever time I wanted to. And and I would just go. I would do sea swims. I would drive around. I would go to parts of Dublin that I hadn't been to yet where I could just park the car and sit and listen to music and just indulge that sense of freedom and pleasure and escape. All these things I was feeling very, very trapped by in our normal life. And that summer was, it was fun. It was just like playing and being unaccountable. And I, I needed a taste of that. So thank you for that. I don't know if you remember me like just disappearing (laughs) and coming home at odd hours. One of the very first things that happened is you went away on a, like a yoga weekend retreat. And that was just something that wouldn't have happened back when I was so codependent because I couldn't really function properly without you taking care of all of the important details. And so I feel like that was sort of a crucial waypoint along that, that journey back to relational health was you not feeling like you had to be relied on for our family to function. Mm. And that's still a journey for me. And I'm still developing those muscles. I was in a very learned, helpless spot for a long time, which I think contributed to that, that feeling of you had three kids in the house, which is not a recipe for like sexual attraction <laughs> to, to, to feel like the person you're sleeping with in your bed is like a attachment parenting co-sleep situation with your married partner. I know. And you know, I don't know how long we joked about that without fully embracing it honestly and looking at it and going like, oh, wait, th- this is more than just funny. There's actually something here. 
And maybe if we had copped on a little sooner, who knows, but. About the man-child thing? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even remember joking about it. I just. Oh, it, like, I do. It, it just, it just feels so real to me, that sense of like, God, I was, like, I couldn't take care of myself. It's a real, almost a point of shame of, God, it took me so long. Like, I mean, that's three and a half decades of expecting a woman to metaphorically come and clean up after me like my mom gosh i wish i'd been self-sufficient so much earlier and and not created a codependent relationship mm-hmm. like that codependency just absolutely dropped the bottom out of our like just drilled a giant hole in the bottom of our boat and like sexually and just just was sinking almost from day one <laughs> You know, it just sank slower at the start because, you know, we didn't have kids in the mix. Draining your kind of resources, your mm. your mental and emotional reserve energy, I guess. Man, when you kind of started going through your own awakening to that stuff, it happens so fast. And that's the thing. You're in the middle of it and it feels like it's going to take forever. And it looks different for everybody but truly ours was springtime was me being honest summertime was me like going all in and then starting back to school September was you kind of probably responding to all of that and maybe you had that sense of this is over was growing over that summer as I took more and more of my own freedom and then it pushed you right up against that and then it was either late September I think it was late September we went to Sicily and the darkest part was definitely Sicily and after those three weeks that was just that was probably four weeks in total a month of just pure depths of despair of I don't I, now I don't think we're going to make it through and that hadn't been my thought up until that point but then once you went through that and you were deep diving into I know you were writing in a memoir but to me I think of it as journaling like you were literally facing your demons and journaling and getting those stories out and then all of a sudden you know all the work you'd been doing along the way and feeling it started to become really clear to you like I remember you saying there was music you used to listen to that now you saw it so clearly that it was literally like telling your story but this facet of it you couldn't see you had this felt yeah. sense of loving the song, yeah. but not knowing exactly or not seeing that it was exactly your story at that Iron time. Iron and Wine, Upward Over the Mountain, that that song. Mm. It was like my life story. And I just, yeah, every time I'd listen to it, I would just almost like drift into a spell, like an enchantment of like not able to fully realize that he was singing about my life. Um, there's some strange resonance between the two of our experience, whatever caused him, Sam Beam, to write that song. But yeah, it's so amazing to look back and realize that you and another human being under the same spell, that hearing that was such a lifeline to you. Once you reached, we'll call it the end of that, but like a, a real big clearing around your personal stuff and then brought it to me and it was that Fambali conversation of freedom then I felt like we both got to walk away from that table completely free and just decide anew that we're still really committed to ourselves, to each other, to this relationship, and we're going to keep going. 
And it ha- it's been incredibly different since. Mostly it was an exercise and like now we can really be honest with one another. And in the moment it was like beginning to see each other's dysfunctions and to talk clearly and openly about them. And for me, a process of toning down the passion around that and just coming at it with more of a clear head instead of a out of control. See, I told you this is still here. It was just like, oh, okay. What's going on? And and that's been the learning curve now is to see the same stuff, but with more compassion and clarity around them and to then mm. make choices that that move us further beyond them. More Do quickly. you have a panic reflex when you see some behavior in me that calls to mind one of those old, really destructive relational patterns? Or how do you process that now? Yeah, I I definitely did. I remember our first two fights after that where I was like, oh my gosh, maybe you don't ever recover. (laughs) But I think how that begins to change is every conversation that we're both willing to come at again more quickly and make some real strides. Then you're like, you're literally, we talk about this with the kids a lot, but you are rebuilding the trust And as that trust gets rebuilt more quickly, more steadily, with a better track record, then you start to let that, let those triggers go. And you start to lean into trust of, we've got this, we really are for one another. And we're going to work it out. We're going to get to a place of, I'm going to be heard and understood. I know that I am. And that's something I always feel with you is, At first, it's like this crazy, dramatic, childish tantrum. But at some point, we're both going to get to a place of that is exactly what I mean. I'm going to feel totally held in that experience and okay. And that's where all of that began to change for me. And those triggers started to disappear. It's like an immune system. It's like Mm. you have this Mm -hmm. kind of immune deficiency syndrome where you can't fight off these things that you go through as a couple. And then and then you start, like, once that heals, you just so, it just happens more quickly each time. It's almost like we get immunized to going through those things. But you have to have exposure to them to learn how to repair. And I, that feels like the progress that I see in our relationship now is early on, it used to be months, like, um, where I would go into this defensive crouch, my, my feelings would be hurt. I'd walk out of the room as you were speaking in the middle of a conversation just because it was too painful to hear you saying something critical about me because my self-concept was so brittle. And then it was like a few days <laughs> to bounce back. And and now we have occasionally have these moments where we bounce back within a few minutes or like an hour. And that just feels super heroic um, <laughs> to me because I remember how, how long it used to take. And now we have this Wolverine, like X-Men kind of self-healing kind of adamantium skeleton. Somebody can hit us with an ax and then it just, we just <laughs> look down and like just watch the skin just heal over within seconds and we're like what else you got like come on (laughs) getting a little cocky now aren't you (laughs) like yeah throw a third kid into this relationship (laughs) like (laughs) i think you do need a bit of swagger like as a as a couple get to a point where 
you feel good about your relationship. You feel good about how sturdy it is. And you said earlier, there's no shortcut to that. That's just logging the hours. Like, what are we at now? 16 years? It's like life has, it's taken its best shots. And the fact that we are sitting here having and even feeling strong enough to be able to be vulnerable and share that conversation with strangers on the internet, that feels really good. Yeah, it does. And there's a lot to it. And that that's the beauty of the podcast is we can continue this conversation and explore different aspects of it. Because obviously, there is a rebuilding for us sexually, there was a rebuilding for us relationally, obviously, it all overlaps. But there's real work there. And those are different conversations we can branch off and have. So I hope that everyone will stick around and, and be interested to have some of those with us and open the dialogue. In all this, I found that what we're willing to engage with and thought and conversation, we can make more progress on than what we keep hidden in secret out of fear. When you're ready, trust yourself and go there. It's our freedom and our liberation lies on the other side of our willingness to move towards it. I love that. <laughs> Can I be close to Thank you so much for listening and sharing your time with us let's all keep the conversations going if you're curious for more of ours subscribe and hear it all until next time be well. Mm-hmm.